Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Well, thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the AccuWeather Podcast, Everything Under the Sun. I'm your host, meteorologist Regina Miller, and I'm joined in the studio by my producer, Andy Robb. And this week, Andy, we have both Dr. Joe Sobel and meteorologist Steve Wistar, who are with our forensics department. We've had each of them in the past uh, individually talking about some forensics. In fact, you might want to go back and check out some of our previous episodes because Dr. Joe Sobel did episode nine. And that was a murder investigation. Yeah. <laughs> and that actually came down to do on a car or whether or not there was due on a car that helped solve that crime. So you'll want to listen to that one. Also, we've talked to meteorologist, forensic meteorologist Steve Wistar in the past about winter weather and forensics. That was episode 40 and Hurricane Katrina, which was episode 18. So you can go back, check those out. This week, we're joining them both in the studio to talk about heat and forensics. Thank you both for coming in today. Always our pleasure. Great to be here. You know what? Whenever I found out that we were doing forensics in heat, I kind of understood in the past when we did winter weather because you think about responsibility in forensics and I thought, you know, people not clearing their sidewalks or people not clearing off a vehicle that could have some ice chunks and cause an accident or like with hurricanes. But with heat, I was like, well, isn't there personal responsibility? It's either going to be hot or, you know, if you know it's hot, you dress for that. Like, I was trying to think of how forensics would be investigated in something well, like that. Well, there are a lot of strange cases that we get involved in. Maybe one of these days you want to do an episode about weather and divorce. Really? Oh, yeah. We've had a couple of cases, uh, forensic cases, uh, centering on divorce matters. So wow. It's something you wouldn't think about uh, off the top of your well, head. Well, there's so many things. So let's just briefly, just for the maybe somebody that doesn't know what forensics meteorology is or what you do, just briefly tell us what that is. Uh, what we do is reconstruct the weather at a particular time and place. And uh, we are hired by clients who have a vested interest in what happened at that particular time and place, mostly attorneys. And so, for example, um, back when we talked about winter weather, uh, say someone falls on a patch of ice and they decide they get injured or they lose their ability to go to work for a while and they decide to sue the owner of the sidewalk that they fell on where the ice patch was, claiming they were negligent and didn't remove that ice patch. So that would be a case of forensic meteorology, just looking back at that particular spot on that particular morning and reconstructing all the details of the weather that matter uh, that would have caused the ice to form, when it formed, how long it was there, and then that goes into whose fault it was. If it had right. just formed, maybe not so much the fault of the owner of the sidewalk, but if it had been there for two days, maybe somebody should have done something about it. Yeah, and and that's where it was uh, kind of interesting to me because 
you know, you think about in forensics meteorology, it's for litigation. Usually somebody's responsible. Mm -hmm. So when we were talking about heat, I was like, well, I, I have trouble thinking about responsibility or constructing it for responsibility. But you guys have had some really interesting cases, and one in particular that I've gotten, I've only gotten a tease about, I was told about it by Andy, was a food truck exploding. And I was like, I got to hear about this because I want to hear what happened with this particular case. Well, it was back a couple of years ago, and it was in the Philadelphia area. And uh, what happened was exactly what you described, a propane tank on a portable food truck, the kind that we see all over the t all the time coming around with specialty foods and going from location to location. Well, this uh, uh, food truck was parked in a particular spot, uh, and the uh, pro one of the propane tanks on the back of it exploded. And there was a, a fair amount of uh, damage done uh, to the truck, obviously, but there were also some a couple of uh, pretty serious injuries involved. And so uh, we were called in to determine what the temperature conditions were uh, and what the general weather conditions were at that time. So it's a food truck. Is it like was it like a, a carnival or a festival or something? Or no, it was just parked by the side uh, by the curb on okay. the side of a of a street uh, in the urban center in Center City, Philadelphia. The important thing to understand here is that the air temperature that we measure with thermometers and get readings from airports all over the country is not necessarily the same as the temperature of the pavement or the temperature of the air close to the pavement. And so that, those were the kind of issues that we wanted to discuss. And what we used was uh, an interesting little gizmo that was an infrared thermometer. Oh, I've seen those. Uh, well, this was, it was like a gun, yeah. it was shaped like a gun, and you point it at the surface that you want to determine what the temperature is, and it will give you a reading of what the, um, of what the temperature of that surface is. And it can vary considerably depending upon, uh, one, the time of year, the time of day, because that determines what the strength of the sun is, and of course the general weather. Was it cloudy? Was it raining? And those kinds of things. So uh, I actually went down to the location, to the site of location, and what was really crazy about this case is the first thing we did was go to Google Earth to look up and get a picture of, of, of the exact location so I would know where to park. Right. You know what was in the Google Earth picture at that exact location? You mean you mean the food truck? A food truck. Oh, not, okay. Not the food truck. Oh, okay. But a food truck was in that exact location. So apparently this was a favorite spot yeah, for food trucks right. to hang out. So I went down on a day. We picked a day uh, that w where the weather conditions were similar to what the weather conditions were on the day of the explosion. And it was in the middle of July, a uh, sunny day, and the air temperature was about 95 and 96 degrees. So I went down there to that very spot, uh, spent the whole day there, uh, every uh, hour, almost every half an hour, going out and taking the temperature of what the pavement was at that specific site on that day. What do you think the uh, pavement temperature uh, turned out to be at, uh, at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a sunny day in Philadelphia? It's 95 degrees. And what do you think, uh, Andy? <laughs> say, say about 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. Uh, with, with a hot day, like 95 in Philly, I would say 
over 130 degrees easily. Wow, wow. I wasn't going to say that high. I was going to say maybe like 115. Andy gets a oh, Andy gets bing, bing, bing. Hey. Oh, look, at, look at you! I'm what, the meteorologist, and it you was got 140 to 145 degrees. Wow! Yep. Just as interesting is uh, on my car, uh, on the dashboard, I have black vinyl. Okay, uh, that that covers oh, the dashboard. Yeah. You can't even yeah. touch that on a hot day. Well, all right, I, I was fooling around with my uh, little toy with yeah. my infrared thermometer. What do you think the temperature of that dashboard was on that day at that same time? Now, see, I would think that would be hotter because you have, you know, you're in the car, so the heat can't escape. So I'm, I'm. Well, if he's if you said 140, I'm going to go 160. I agree. I think it's probably going to be warmer. So I'm going to say like around there like 150, 160. That's our final answer. I'll give you that's your final answer. <laughs> yeah, that's our final I'll give you partial credit. Offend, I friendly? won't give you <laughs> on that because you're in the right direction. It was between 170 and 180 degrees. I can't believe that. Oh my that's gosh. unbelievable to so me. So next time you can't touch your steering wheel or you can't touch your dashboard cuz it's black, now you know why. Or yeah. you need a surface to cook on. That's what I was going to say. Like, I was thinking, you know, that's what I was thinking. It was like, you could actually slow cook something in there, you know. Um, That's unbelievable. Now, here's what's interesting to me when you're talking about the food truck situation. So, uh, what were the details of this case? So, was anybody in the food truck at the time? Yes, uh, there were, there were, uh, there was at least one person in the food truck. There might have been two. And there was uh, at least one customer okay. standing beside the food truck. Okay. And so then just suddenly the propane tank just burst? Just exploded. exploded. Uh, yeah, it was a fireball. And, and another interesting thing is there was actually a video camera that uh, was focused on the food truck at that particular time. And we actually saw, were able to see the explosion. So in a case like that, you're called by like who's the attorney representing? Like what? Oh. Uh, in this case, uh, the the attorney that hired us represented one of the people that was injured. Okay, so are they trying to figure out if it's the responsibility of the food truck owner to like not have their like I'm not sure what they're saying was the level of responsibility. Well, they're trying to figure out why this propane tank exploded. And there was some uh, indication that uh, the the propane tank uh, did not undergo proper in, uh, investigation. Uh, right, because uh, the thing exploded. So, like, how do you go back and look at the tank? Well, right? they have a record of when maintenance was performed, oh. what maintenance should have been performed, those kinds of questions. My, my memory was that tank was purchased in 1948, and there was no evidence that it had ever been inspected ever since. 1948? I didn't even realize that you could find something that old. <laughs> you know? So that's unbelievable. You're so, looking at some of the p- things that are older than 1948. So their concern was when they brought you in, they were, they were kind of saying, was it the weather? Like, could a tank just 
combust or was this negligence on behalf of the person who was yes, supposed to be yes yes those were the kinds of questions okay. that they were interested in and uh their pressure gauges on these tanks and they had a tank that was there at the time reading the pressures off as i was uh recording the air temperature and the uh, pavement temperature and so there are certain ranges of pressure that would be acceptable and certain ranges of pressure that were not acceptable. So a, so a typical tank would have had to be serviced and know that that however they were managing it would fall within a certain pressure no matter what the temperature on the outside. Correct. Okay. Yes, correct. Okay. So how did that pan out, that case? Well, you know, that's an interesting, that's one of the things that's interesting about the work we do. Uh, a lot of times we don't find out. We go in, our job is to be, is, is not to be advocates. Our job is to be objective scientists and tell you what the facts are, what the truth is. And that's what we do. We presented it in a report, uh, and then it goes to a settlement uh, procedure. This case, as far as I know, never went to trial. I was never called as an expert witness okay. in this trial. If I could interrupt, there was a news story about this. It did yeah. settle. Oh, it did. And um, the number might be confidential, I'm not sure, but uh, I read that it was the largest settlement in the history of Pennsylvania for a case really? like wow. millions of dollars. I don't know what the number was. Right. But you just read that it they was. They set a record for a, a settled you know, case. Uh, now that, you, now that you mention it, uh, it does ring a bell. That's how familiar, there. Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it never went to trial, and uh, as most of them don't. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, the judges and the court system kind of pressures the two sides to not take up court time. But well, plus settlement. Court, I was going to say, plus it can go on forever and ever. And, so. and you really, when there's millions of dollars at stake, you know, sometimes you don't want to rely on the jury, hap you know, whatever random mix of people you get on the jury you know, mm -hmm. it may go against you. And you, so some, there's a lot of motivation to settle these cases and reach if the two sides can reach an agreement. And right. in this case, I think the circumstances were, uh, you know, intense enough and the injuries were bad enough that um, the, the company that um, actually they took the propane tank to to fill it up um, was the company liable. And, oh, um, okay. and they kind of must have agreed that we don't have a chance to win this in court. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to tug on the heartstrings of the jurors. And so they agreed. They were a large company. They could afford it, I guess. You're better off to you know, You're better off just to settle. like that. Yeah. Because, well, I mean, and, and so you're part of it, really. You go in there, uh, and your attorney that hires you knows ahead of time, no matter what, that we are telling the truth. We're not here to support either side. Correct, absolutely. We're just here to tell yeah. you the science of the situation and what happened. Correct. Yeah. Now, uh, so I'm interested, are there any other cases that you have that are something like that where you, you had mentioned there, sometimes there's divorce cases. So there's all, any number of cases where you've dealt specifically with heat. There are two other kinds of cases, perhaps, that f fall mostly in this range. And the first uh, would have to do with heat stress on the human body. Uh, we've been involved in a number of cases where athletes have been out on a practice field and have uh, there have been some fatal cases uh, oh, where yeah. where heat stress uh, may have played a role in in an injury that a, that an athlete occurred out uh, 
on a field during okay. a game or in a practice. And then the other kinds of things that are pretty obvious would be lightning strikes. Oh, okay. And, summer, uh, summer lightning. Correct. So, well, and I think what we're going to do is we are going to uh, do this as two-part. And our next time we sit down here, we are going to be talking about some of those heat stress on the body related cases and also some lightning but for right now we have some information on how you can stay safe in the heat with our AccuWeather Ready. According to the CDC an average of over 600 people die from complications related to extreme heat each year in the United States more than tornadoes, hurricanes, flooding, lightning or any other weather event combined. Heat-related deaths and illnesses are preventable, but it's important to identify the warning signs and react swiftly and appropriately when they arise. So what is the difference between heat exhaustion and heat stroke? Heat exhaustion happens before heat stroke, and it's a direct result of the body overheating. It's identifiable by heavy sweating, rapid pulse, dizziness, fatigue, cool moist skin, with goosebumps when in the heat, muscle cramps, nausea, and headache. These symptoms may develop over time or come on suddenly, especially during or following periods of prolonged exercise. If heat exhaustion's not treated, heat stroke can follow. Heat stroke is the most severe heat-related illness. It results when your body temperature rises to 104 degrees Fahrenheit or higher. At this temperature, your brain, heart, kidneys, and muscles can also become damaged, leading to serious complications or death. In addition to high body temperatures, the symptoms of heat stroke include altered mental state or behavior, nausea and vomiting, flushed skin, rapid breathing, and racing heart rate. As a rule, with heat exhaustion, you sweat a lot. With heat stroke, you stop sweating and are actually dry. If heat exhaustion is suspected, remove the sufferer from heat and cool them down if possible. Get out of the sun and remove or loosen tight clothes, mist the body with water, or put ice packs in the armpits and groin. Additionally, rehydration is the key. Consume plenty of water and avoid beverages that contain alcohol, caffeine, or high amounts of sugar. If you or someone else is experiencing heat stroke, seek immediate medical attention. Though it's important to know how to identify heat exhaustion and heat stroke, both are preventable illnesses. Proactively hydrating will help keep the body at a safe temperature. Once you feel thirsty, you're already dehydrated. And respond immediately if you start feeling ill by getting out of the sun and into the shade with cool air to help lower your body temperature. For more safety and preparedness tips, go to AccuWeather.com ready. For AccuWeather, I'm Holly Holdren. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to AccuWeather's Everything Under the Sun, giving you the stories behind the weather and so much more. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or visit AccuWeather.com slash podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.